Hey listeners, Mealy and Christine here. Though we are licensed medical professionals, nothing we speak about in the well conversation should be taken as health advice. These episodes are based on a review of current research available and well-known frequently applied interventions used by professionals in the field. If you have a pre-existing medical condition, the information shared in this presentation may not be entirely safe or applicable to you. Please consult your healthcare practitioner before applying any changes to your health, especially if you have a pre-existing medical condition or are taking prescription medications. Welcome to episode three of The Well Conversation. I'm Christine Chung. And I'm Maylee Devlin. For episode three, we're going to be focusing on omega-3 fatty acids. <laughs> so omega-3 fatty acids are one of the most popular supplements on the market, and there's a really good reason for it. So omega-3 fatty acids are beneficial in such a wide variety of common conditions. So why are they so helpful? It all comes down to one major aspect of these fatty acids. They are anti-inflammatory. So pretty much every chronic condition in the body, so heart disease, arthritis, asthma, or allergies, they stem from increased inflammation. So by decreasing inflammation, we can help with any of these issues. Now, this is a really oversimplified way of explaining all of the above conditions that I mentioned. And the truth is, we can't really say what the exact mechanism is. But in general, omega-3 fatty acids decrease inflammation. And we as a population have excess inflammation due to other lifestyle factors like the standard North American diet, amount of exercise, or stress even can cause increased inflammation. So before we begin, Maylee's going to give us a quick review of the types of omega-3 fatty acids that we'll be talking about. When we talk about omega-3 fatty acids in general, we're talking about three major types of these omega-3 fatty acids. There are ALA, EPA, and DHA. Now, these are short forms used for the longer words, so we're just going to stick with ALA, EPA, and DHA to keep it simple. So what we need to know is that ALA is essential meaning our bodies cannot make ALA and we need to get ALA from our diets in order for our body to use it. This ALA fatty acid is converted into EPA and DHA, the other two, and these are the forms that our body uses. So EPA and DHA are technically non-essential because ALA is converted to EPA and DHA. It's a lot of acronyms, but it's important to know that our body uses the EPA and DHA. Now, the process of ALA being converted into the other two types is highly inefficient. Some studies show as low as 4%, whereas others show conversion of around 20%. And an interesting fact is that women are actually better at this conversion rate, but with age decreases in both men and women. So although EPA and DHA aren't necessarily essential because we can make them from ALA, this process is really inefficient. So in order to get these omega-3 fatty acids, EPA and DHA, it's better to just get them from our diet. So that's kind of a technical overview. But really, all we need to know is that ALA is essential. The other two are not, but the process of conversion is really inefficient. So it's best to get them from diet. Now, our body uses both EPA and DHA, but there are differences between these two as well. 
EPA is more anti-inflammatory than DHA. So in most cases, we really want a high EPA. Usually we're looking for a two to one ratio, but it always depends on what we're using it for. DHA on the other hand is anti-inflammatory, but it's mostly used for brain health because DHA is found in high amounts in the brain. So this is great for brain development. So it's used in pregnancy. It's also used in brain injury. So something like in post-concussion DHA is used. DHA is usually used for brain health in a one-to-one with EPA because we still want some anti-inflammatory. But for other conditions outside the brain, we usually want a higher amount of EPA. So now we have our three types. We've got our ALA, EPA, and DHA. ALA isn't really used in the body other than to make EPA and DHA. So really what we're always looking for are the EPA and DHA. So now that we know what the three different types of omega-3 fatty acids are, we can talk about more of what they're used for. So like Maylee was saying, EPA is highly anti-inflammatory, so it decreases the inflammation. And DHA is used more for brain development or brain injury. So usually people will look for an omega-3 fatty acid product that's 2 to 1 EPA to DHA. I've seen some that are as high as like 5 to 1. And then the different ratios will help treat different conditions as well. So what are some of the common conditions that omega-3s are used for? So like I said before, omega-3s are anti-inflammatory, so they decrease inflammation. So anything involving inflammation or the inflammatory pathway, omega-3s can be used for. So endometriosis, which is a more and more common case in women. Joint pain, so arthritis, if you think about the word arthritis. If you ever see the word itis, you can expect it to involve inflammation. Omega-3s would be good for that. Inflammatory bowel disease, obviously it has inflammatory in the disease name. Any sort of liver disease like non-alcoholic, fatty liver disease, any allergies, including asthma, any autoimmune disease, omega-3s can be effective for. Also skin, a lot of skin conditions such as eczema, psoriasis, there's been some studies with omega-3s in that sense. Dry eyes even. Dysmenorrhea, which is a medical term for period cramps, even bipolar disorder, ADHD, and a lot of other mental health conditions have shown to have some pretty significant effects with something as simple as omega-3s. And also a lot of the evidence points towards omega-3s being beneficial for heart health. So a lot of the evidence is shown for lowering triglycerides, and triglycerides, it's just a type of uh, fat or a lipid in your blood. And when you have high triglycerides shown in your blood work, that tends to be just a a flag for your doctor saying that you might be at an increased risk for heart disease. And it also has some evidence for some modest decreases in blood pressure. So people with hypertension, high blood pressure, omega-3s can be beneficial for them as well. So in general, you can just think that omega-3 fatty acids are good for heart health. I think it's also important to talk about when we talk about fish oils and heart health, there's this meta-analysis, which is a big review of a bunch of studies, and then we use statistics on it to see if something, some sort of intervention is helpful for a condition. And I think it was in 2018, there was a big meta-analysis, and it was published in the journal JAMA. And this is a really reputable journal, and they took omega-3 fatty acids and looked at their use for cardiovascular disease, as Christine was just talking about. And the study found that overall, there wasn't a significant effect when omega-3s were used. So this is really shocking study to me, to a lot of different people. And so a lot of people looked at this study and it was really confusing, especially for me, because I just learned all these great benefits for heart health and these oils. So I read through the whole study and I did notice that in the study, there's no minimum dose of omega-3s mentioned. 
So some of the studies had really low doses. Almost half of the studies had a dose of less than 500 milligrams. And 500 milligrams is about an eighth of the dose that the American Heart Association recommends. So they recommend a dose of about four grams daily to lower triglycerides. And half of the studies were using 500 milligrams. So I think it's really important to always look at the dose when we're looking at studies. And in this meta-analysis, it's also important to note that there were changes even with these small doses. So there was a 7% decrease in major cardiovascular events. So these are things like heart attacks and strokes and a 10% lower risk of coronary heart disease. So it wasn't that they weren't helpful. They statistically were not significant. And so this is still a shock. But when we look at the dose, that kind of makes sense. So I think it's always important when reading headlines about studies and, and reading about studies that have been done in the media that we look past the headline. And this is also really important for when we see positive results about a study too. If there's a study that says one gram of fish oil can reduce your risk of cardiovascular disease, that also could be really misleading because we know we need a higher dose. And so in general, if we look at the evidence, it is helpful for heart health. But we usually want a high dose, and it's usually EPA that we want. Again, that anti-inflammatory one. And it is definitely more helpful for more severe cases, just like most treatments are. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought up that study because we were both learning about fish oils in almost every class and learning about how effective they were for every condition. It was like that be-all, end-all supplement that everyone loved to use for a lot of conditions because it was showing good research But then when this meta-analysis came out, it was just so confusing for all of us being like, okay, well, meta-analyses are, they call them the gold standard in research because when you look at a meta-analysis, it's like, oh, they've looked at so many studies and they've done this statistical approach. Just like Maylee said, it just takes a little bit of reading into the actual study. Although that is the conclusion they came to, it's not a false conclusion, but there are a couple of points of those studies that you do have to take with a grain of salt, like the dose being much lower than what we usually recommend as a therapeutic dose. And I think that it is important to consider that study as well. And I think it would be great to have another meta-analysis of higher dose studies to see, because then if we still had those results, then that really would change our opinion of it. Like if they could do it like a meta-analysis based on the American Heart Association Mm -hmm. recommendation, which is four grams, like Maylee said, it's eight times higher than most of the studies we're using as a low dose, then that might show a different result. But for now, of course, Maylee and I are research junkies, so we'll look at the research (laughs) and we'll, we'll report back to you guys if we find anything different. But just also to keep in mind that it is hard when a lot of people are getting their health advice, or not health advice, but they're getting health tips from the media, and media will publish these one liners like, oh, the one cure all end all diet that will help you lose weight and reverse your aging. And then it's like this like little study that wasn't that significant, but they'll take clips of sentences from the study that will attract attention. And that's kind of how people will see this. And they're like, oh, okay. So if I do this one diet for the rest of my life, like I'm going to be super healthy and there's going to be no other implications. <laughs> and like, that's not really the case. So in that sense, it's always good to read the study. But then again, it's a little hard sometimes to analyze studies. So I think we should do a whole podcast on reading studies and maybe a hierarchy of evidence, because I think it's also important when we look at evidence-based medicine, which is, again, the gold standard, and then also accounting for clinical results as well. So we always want to use what we can from research, but especially in the wellness world and natural health product world, 
a lot of herbs and different supplements and things. First of all, the studies may have been done by the companies. And second of all, there may be no studies because there's not funding for it. So I think it's really tricky to navigate what's real, what's not. And that's why we're going to try and break some things down with these spotlight on supplement episodes because it can be overwhelming to take something like omega-3 fatty acids and we look at all of these things that it does and it's almost unbelievable. And I think putting it into perspective that for all of these conditions, you're not going to take omegas and they're going to completely go away. What they're doing, it always comes back to the inflammation. And chronic disease is most of the time, it's built up inflammation throughout the years. So what omegas can do is help regulate that inflammatory pathway. It can kind of help set things up and they can be used adjunctively with medications. For some things they can be used on their own, but I think just kind of looking at the evidence in totality is always important no matter what supplement we're talking about. But we can get back to just omega-3s for now and then we can (laughs) talk about research in general another time. We get a little too excited about research sometimes. Um, Okay, so let's talk about sources of omega-3 fatty acids. So omegas are one of those things you see on a lot of labels. So you see on a package, maybe on like flax seeds or something, it'll say with omega-3s. But what we always want to remember is in the beginning when I was explaining the types. So in general, the types of omega-3s that your body needs are EPA and DHA. So to get those, we're pretty much just looking at seafood. So fish and fish products, but also kelp. So seaweed itself is also rich. That's the only plant that we have that is rich in these EPA and DHA. So that also gives a good option for vegans and vegetarians. So kelp is a vegan vegetarian option for omega-3 fatty acids. So you can still get a lot of the benefits of omega-3s without actually consuming an oil that's based from fish or other seafood. Yeah, and actually interesting enough, the reason that seafood and fish are really high in omega-3s is because they're eating the seaweed. (laughs) So then it accumulates in them and then we eat that. So it's efficient for us to eat the fish because it's accumulated in them so it's in higher amounts. But if we really want to get to the source, it is in the kelp. So Mm -hmm. the EPA and DHA, we're looking at seaweed or we're looking at things that eat the seaweed, which is seafood. And when we look at seafood, we want to stick to fish that are under the acronym SMASH. So this is a great way when you're in the grocery store to just kind of think about the types of fish that are high in these EPA and DHA. And actually they're also lower in heavy metals as well. So we have salmon, mackerel, anchovies, sardines, and herring. So that makes smash. And although you might be thinking, like, sure, salmon is delicious and a couple of these other fishes, and you'll probably look at anchovies and sardines and be like, disgusting. But honestly, they have these like, really nicely packaged sardines nowadays. And like, I had one the other day, I think I picked it up at Whole Foods, and it was smoked sardine and it was like wood smoked and it was so delicious and I love sardines (laughs) (laughs) I was just eating these out of the can like my brother once saw me eat them and was disgusted by the fact that it like had its bone in it but they're all like (laughs) it's softened and they honestly they're a great source of protein they're a great source of omega-3s they're inexpensive they're not expensive at all and Maylee and I honestly we talk about sardines all the time and like one time we were We were both going to play volleyball and we had been working all day or studying all day and we were like, we really need a snack and we're also going to be active. So what should we do? So then we went to the grocery store and we got some tortilla chips and we got a can of sardines and then we brought all of this to the volleyball courts and I like cracked open this can of sardines and Maylee and I, this was pre-COVID as well. We just like went into that bag with our hands and just like picked out the sardine fillets in the can 
And, you know, that was that was a snack. And people definitely looked at us weirdly. Now we never got invited back to play in the volleyball <laughs> team. But, you know, we wanted a high protein, high omega-3 snack before doing our volleyball game. When you are looking at sardines or if you're going to try sardines for the first time, which you should, it's always important to look at what the sardines are in. So a lot of the ones at grocery stores have either water, canola oil, or olive oil. And I would suggest doing the olive oil because olive oil also has anti-inflammatory properties in it. And olive oil is great for heart health as well. Um, The water is okay as well. Um, It tastes better in the oil also, I think. The canola oil, on the other hand, is really high in omega-6 fatty acids. And omega-6 fatty acids are more inflammatory. And although our body does need them, they are in really high amounts in our diet. So we consume a really, really high amount of omega-6 and a really low amount of omega-3s in general. And traditionally, these are supposed to be a lot more even in their consumption. So when we have more inflammatory oils like canola oil, they're kind of working in the opposite way of these omega-3s. So try to get either olive oil or the water ones when you are looking at sardines. Yeah, I think the the standard stat that they say about like a standard North American diet is that the ratio of omega-3s to 6s is something around 1 to 9 and where it should really be closer to 1 to 3. Yeah. So it's it's really important to try and avoid omega-6s where we can because we definitely get plenty from um, what we eat in our daily lives. Also on that note, fish is really good, especially when we're getting our omega-3s and especially the smash fish. But too much fish can also be dangerous because of heavy metal toxicity. So a tip I like to give in that sense is to look for smaller fish because like we were talking before how these fish have omega-3s in them because they eat a lot of kelp. And then when they eat the kelp, it's a process called bioaccumulation. So small fish eats kelp, larger fish eats smaller fish, even larger fish eats a smaller fish. So it, it keeps building with each fish that eats another smaller fish. But what also builds are heavy metals. So the bigger fish will have a much higher level of heavy metals in them than the smaller fish will. So in the smash fish, I think probably salmon is the largest concern for heavy metals among those. But things like anchovies and sardines, they're very tiny fish. So heavy metal toxicity is much less of a concern among those fish. And there's also some apps you can use as well. I have a good one. I believe it's called Sea Choice. And it'll tell me the heavy metal toxicity danger that is in certain fishes. So when I go to the store, sometimes I'll pull it up because it can also change week to week as well. So I can also link that in our podcast notes below if anyone's interested. So when we're looking at this heavy metal toxicity, it's also important to look at the frequency and volume of which we're consuming fish. So it's usually recommended fish about two times a week. Two to three times is acceptable before we start to maybe have too high of a level of these heavy metals. So omega-3 fatty acids are one of the supplements that are usually needed in the majority of the population, especially people who are using omega-3s clinically. So by clinically, I mean we're not just trying to get the adequate level of the nutrient that we need to not be deficient. It's using a nutrient in a way that's helping us with something. So let's say you are using omega-3 fatty acids for dry eyes. So A lot of times people with dry eyes are prescribed omega-3s, and this can help with reducing the symptoms of dry eyes. So these people are not looking for the amount of omega-3s that are going to make them not deficient. They're using this clinically like we would a medication. So in that case, we're going to have to supplement, especially because of the heavy metals that Christine was just talking about. 
So let's discuss supplements because supplements can range from really expensive to really inexpensive. And there's some supplements that are worth this, some that aren't. And fish oil is the probably one of the most important supplements to get high quality. Okay, so let's go through some of the specific things that you should look for when buying a fish oil. So first of all, you want to look for a pharmaceutical grade fish oil. So fish oils can be either food grade or pharmaceutical grade, and both are okay to sell in stores. But pharmaceutical grade just means it's higher testing standards. It means you're going to have higher potency, and this is also more absorbable. You're going to get more of those EPAs and DHAs. A food grade doesn't have the same rigorous testing that it has to go through. Secondly, we want to look for sustainably sourced fish. So there's a bunch of different logos that you can look for and you can check to see if your product is sustainably sourced. And we can post pictures of this on our website or Instagram so you can see what these pictures look like. We also want to get third-party testing done on the supplements. So if a supplement has been third-party tested, it will say on it. All this means is that company A made the supplement and another company, company B, who does regulatory testing, takes their supplement and tests So they would do heavy metal testing on this, which is great for fish oils because we know that they come from fish, which can have high amounts of heavy metals. So this is a really important step for fish oils to have that third-party testing. Another thing we want to look for is a cold distillation process. So a lot of times people complain about a really fishy taste in their fish oils and a cold distillation process actually decreases that. So that can help with that. We want to look for a triglyceride form, not an ethyl ester form. So this is getting pretty technical, but this is really important. The triglyceride is the good form, the form we want. Ethyl ester is another form that we don't want. And this will also be on the bottle. So the triglyceride form is about 90% absorbable. When we use an ethyl ester form, which is a synthetic form, this is only about 20% absorbable. So even if the triglycerides are more expensive, it makes more sense to still buy it because you're getting more of that fish oil that you're buying. And like Christine said, the smaller fish are better. So if you can get a fish oil that's made from smaller fish, this would make the entire process more efficient and have less heavy metals as well. Now we usually recommend an oil over a capsule just because it's more efficient. So you're going to get more of those EPA and DHA fats in a teaspoon of oil than you would with the capsules. So when you have to take capsules to get the same amount as oil, you're taking about three to four of these large oil-filled capsules. So I know some people really can't do the oil and so you can do the capsules. Christine makes the oil, so she does the capsules. I honestly, the oil to me is just a little difficult. It's like if you think about just having a tablespoon of olive oil, even that thought to me is just like the thick liquid just like sitting. It's just weird to me. And also I feel like I've had a few bad experiences with some liquid fish oils. Just being like super, like Maylee was talking about, if it wasn't a cold distillation, (laughs) maybe it might have had like a super fishy taste. And I've also, obviously, I've brought a lot of these supplement home to my parents, my brother, (laughs) and I feel like the oil is sometimes a little hard to take for most people, but also some people really can't handle the capsule because, like Maylee was saying, you have to take three to four large capsules to get the same as like one teaspoon's worth. And these capsules, they're definitely not small. Like these are large capsules. They're like the size of like two of the smaller capsules, I would say. And you have to swallow it in one go. (laughs) 
So it, it really depends on preference. I would I would recommend to people, you know, taking a look at one of these large capsules and also flavoring some oils before you continue to subscribe to a certain product. But we also talk about some products that we like below as well. And I definitely have found an oil that I don't mind taking. So there's hope for all of us. Um, I think just on the flavoring, I usually try to do unflavored. Like a lot of people can't do this. They don't like the unflavored one. So I think it's also important to look at what's being used to flavor your fish oil. So some common ones are stevia or monk fruit, which is fine. Um, Just you want to make sure you really know what other ingredients. So on top of those things I mentioned, just look at what other ingredients are being added in. So on the topic of what to look for in your fish oil, we can also help advise what not to look for. So what to avoid in your fish oil. So expired fish oil is a number one. So when fish oil, it's past the expiration date, the oil can be oxidized and then the fish oil actually becomes worse for your health. So definitely keep an eye on those expiration dates. I would not recommend, you know, buying those fish oils that are on sale and expire like tomorrow. (laughs) These are definitely one of the supplements that you want to make sure you have enough time to consume before it's best before date. Because what they're doing is that oxidized oil is now inflammatory. You're literally doing the opposite. So if you're using fish oil for arthritis and you're taking an expired fish oil, you're making it worse. So you're increasing the inflammation. <laughs> and we want to decrease that inflammation. Also, your fish oil should be in a dark bottle and stored in the fridge after opening. Just like on the oxidation topic, you definitely do not want a fish oil that's in a clear bottle. And if the clear bottle with the sunlight, it can easily become an oxidized oil. And then keeping it in the fridge will also keep it, it'll keep it fresher and also decreases the chance of oxidization. So it's better off just to not risk having a clear bottle out in the open or even a dark bottle out in the open. It's just safer to keep your dark bottle in the fridge to prevent oxidization. And like Maylee mentioned before, the triglyceride form is much better than the ethyl ester form. So we want to avoid the ethyl ester form because it's also very easily oxidized. It's also tough on digestion and it's poorly absorbable. Like Maylee was saying, triglyceride is about 90% absorption and the ethyl ester form is 20%. So it's just safer to avoid the ethyl ester form if possible. So on that note, I know we said we would talk about some companies or products that we like. So just a disclaimer, we don't endorse any of these products. We also don't make any money off of you yeah, these going are just out looking and at research these. and looking at the data. Um, I should mention that I do work doing writing for Aqua Omega, the company which is one of the ones that we suggest. And I I genuinely, if you look at their data and look at kind of their price point for the amount of EP and DHA in them, they're great. But I just wanted to throw that out there. They pay me to do writing. Them, so, <laughs> but she doesn't get paid to if you buy here, their products no. or mention it on our podcast. So far, <laughs> we have nice. no sponsorships. <laughs> um, if you know anyone who would pay us. <laughs> so, following up on that, Aqua Omega actually is one of the supplements. Remember, I was saying that I really hated the oil forms, and also my mom is one of those. She absolutely hated the first fish oil. I gave it to her actually because I didn't want it. <laughs> I just hated taking it as an oil. And Aqua Omega, I find, is surprisingly enjoyed by a lot of people who tend to hate the liquid forms of fish oil. And I remember I was talking to Maylee because she was just starting off doing some writing for them when I had my first bottle of Aqua Omega. And I was like, how? This tastes so delicious. Like, how do they do it? And she explained to me their entire process. And for me, you know, that was like highly educational. And I also, like, it really helped me understand why this one specifically had a much better taste than, like, I've probably tried at least 10 different brands of liquid fish oils. And this one, by far, you know, no fishy aftertaste. 
And it's like something easy to take in the morning rather than popping back eight of these huge <laughs> capsules every day. Um, another brand that we also like, um, and also I find Aquamega is, like Meili was saying, I think they are almost, they might be the best on price point that I've found so far based yeah, on I their like ratios. Yeah, they're best on price point for what they have, like for their mm-hmm. ratios. So you can look at one supplement for, let's say, $39 and then an Aquamega for $39 and they can be the same price, but it's just way higher amounts of the EPA and DHA. So I think that's just in general, that's a good thing to look at. Again, when I was mentioning all those things to look for in a supplement, we can't forget the most important part is how much is in each one because they're all different. And so there are different amounts and usually you'll talk to your healthcare practitioner about what dose you should be taking. And so that obviously is the most important point. And we're looking on the back for the EPA and DHA. Yeah. And also standardizing a higher EPA ratio to the DHA tends to cost more money. So the higher price point products will tend to you know, provide these good ratios. But I've actually found Aquamega to be, they, they've been the most fair on price point, I think, for fish oils, which can tend to be quite expensive. Another brand I really like is Nutrisy. I've tried their capsules a lot before. I've also tried their oil, and, and it's not bad. <laughs> yeah, I like Nutrisy. Yeah, yeah and I also find Nutrisy is very easy to find. So mm. I've seen them in like the Loblaws health food section. I've even seen them in Shoppers Drug Marts. I've seen their brand everywhere. So I feel like that one's a really accessible, also good on price point as well. I don't think I've ever seen Aqua Omega in like, like a grocery store. I've always yeah. seen them in like Healthy Planet or mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. supplement stores. So Nutrisy is like a very easy easily accessible product as well. Um, Nordic Naturals also makes a really good high quality omega. I think their omegas are called ultimate omega. And they also provide different ratios. Like I think they have a two to one and a three to one ratio as well. And they also have some higher DHA products if that's what you're looking for. And also Cytomatrix, which I believe is a professional line. So you do have to consult Mm. your, your naturopathic doctor or a healthcare provider before having access to Cytomatrix products, and they have quite a good quality omega fish oil as well. I think theirs is a little higher on price point compared to Aqua Omega or Nutrisy, but their omega is, is quite good quality and it's highly recommended by naturopathic doctors. I believe it's called Omega Liquid Forte, and I think they even have one that's like a 5 to 1 ratio. Of EPA to DHA. Of so EPA the, to so DHA. Really high Indian and yeah. I mean, like we were saying, different conditions will warrant different ratios of this EPA to DHA. So that's why, you know, for a company like Cytomatrix, it's good to get a recommendation or get it directly dispensed by your healthcare provider instead of just, you know, going out and buying a (laughs) five to one EPA without really knowing what you're looking for there. Okay, so hopefully that was a helpful overview for you guys on what omega-3s are, what they're used for, different forms, and which ones are best to buy. And as we mentioned at the beginning, just always consult your healthcare provider before starting any new supplement. Omega-3s do have side effects. They can thin your blood. They can make some skin reactions worse. There are definitely side effects, so they may not be great for everyone. So always talk to someone who can assess you individually. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Well Conversation. Until next time, feel well, learn well.